Let's, uh, let's pray over this message. Amen. Father God, we come before you in the mighty, magnificent, matchless name of Jesus. Father, we pray today that you would use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Fathers, you brought us here today. Lord, we believe that you did it by design, that there's something here today that you want us to learn. There's something that you want to do inside of us. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would do it, Lord. We all open up to, for you to have your way in our lives. Speak directly to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to see the move of God in my life. Uh, I, I don't want to just know the Bible stories. I want to live the Bible stories. I want Bible experiences in my life today. I want a, I want a faith that moves farther than, uh, than just Sunday mornings, man. I want a faith that goes through all throughout the week where I see God move in mighty and powerful ways. Uh, in Matthew chapter 17, we're going to be in verses 14 through 21 this morning. Uh, for those of you that are just joining us, this is what we do. We just go through the Bible. So uh, we're just going through it, man. And this is where we are today. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 21. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless, genera- faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why can we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will, be, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I love this story, and the story, if you weren't listening beforehand, start listening now. If you're on your phone, get off your phone. You're proving your addiction to your phone by not being able to get off your phone. <laughs> Pay attention. God wants to do something in your life. This story, people are like, I'm reading scripture. If you're reading scripture, it's fine to be on your phone, but if not, get off your phone. <laughs> So this story, this guy's got a paralytic son, and he goes to the disciples and says, hey, my son needs to be healed. They couldn't do it. And so the disciples go to Jesus, and they say, hey, uh, how come we couldn't cast this one out? And Jesus says, because of your unbelief, man. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you can do anything. You make mountains move. Nothing could be impossible with you if you have mustard seed faith. And so Jesus says, let me do it. And he casts out this demon. And then uh, from there, the, the, Jesus tells him that, you know, you probably should learn about prayer and fasting if you want to be able to move on demons like this. Now, this week, what I learned about a mustard seed is that it's only about one to two millimeters across. Did you know that? No, you did not. Uh, <laughs> Did you, what did you say? You said smallest seed in the world? No, it is not. Does anybody who wasn't in first service know what the smallest seed in the world is? Not who was in first service. Where's my wife? It's an orchid seed. Orchids have the smallest seeds. Huh? See how smart I am? I read it on the internet. I know it's real. A mustard seed's a small seed. That's the point, right? This is the Middle East, and uh, Jesus is living during that time, and so he uses a mustard seed as an example to these guys and says, this is the amount of faith that you have to have to be able to see God move. Just a small amount of seed faith to be able to see God move. Now, in my life, I've heard people say things like, well, God didn't move in your life because you didn't have enough faith. 
or, or this person wasn't healed because that person didn't have enough faith. And I'll tell you, I believe that's a doctrine of demons. Uh, I, I think it's really spiritually manipulative and painful to put that on somebody else and say, that person didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith or that person didn't get this thing because your faith wasn't great enough. That's not what Jesus is saying in this scripture at all. What happens when you have that kind of mindset, it puts the onus on somebody else to to them being the deliverer and they're being the one that's going to set somebody free and saying, you know what, God is not powerful enough. He couldn't move because you didn't have enough faith. I just don't find that in the Bible. Here's what Jesus said to them in Matthew 17, 20. He said, because of your unbelief, he didn't say because you didn't have enough faith. Do you notice the difference between those two things? Jesus is chastising these disciples and saying, your problem is, is that you don't believe me. Your problem is not that you don't believe me enough. It's that you don't believe me. And he uses the example of a very tiny, tiny seed and says, can you understand that if you just had this much, not huge, just yeah, just <laughs> tiny, like the tiniest seed, Jesus. If you just had this, that's the kind of faith that I want you to have. Just this mustard seed faith. If you ever had any of this amount of faith, Jesus says, you would see amazing things. Let's read the whole verse, Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you had the tiniest minuscule amount of faith over just more than not believing, right? More than not believing, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Friend, this is Bible faith, just believing God, just the tiniest amount. Not here. Now, there's nothing wrong with having big faith, huge faith, all those different, that's fine, but that's not what this scripture is about. This scripture is about the tiniest bit of faith. And so if you're here this morning and you don't have any faith, but God wants you to just move on the other side of the line from not believing at all as just like... Yeah, just a tiniest bit, right? The difference between not being wet and like this, just a little bit of mist coming on you, right? Like that's all. It's just the tiniest bit amount. Like that's what God moved from not believing into me, just the tiniest bit. And from there, like things are just going to take off. Things are going to take off. Think about, there's this guy in the Old Testament, his name was Abraham. Say amen if you ever heard of Abraham. Not Lincoln. And um, so God told this guy, Abraham, that he would be the father of many nations. Now, this is a big deal because Abraham was old and Abraham's wife was old and she was past the child rearing age. And and God said to Abraham, if you believe, uh, just believe what I'm going to tell you is that you are going to be a father of many nations. Your wife is going to have kids. And and that's that's a huge thing, right? I mean, that's a huge thing for an older couple. And I think it was probably in their 80s that God spent, was it 90s? Whatever, I'm preaching. So... Older than 50, right? I remembered it as 80s. You guys can preach some. Anyway, it was 90s, okay? But here's here's what the book of Romans says about Abraham in, in Romans 4. He says, he, Abraham, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. 
Romans chapter 4 says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God when what he saw in his eyes didn't seem like it could happen. Abraham believed God when, it, when everybody else around him was like, dude, there's no way. The world does not work this way, Abraham. As the Bible says Abraham did not waver in his faith. He said, "You want beyond hope, beyond unbelief, I'm just going to believe God. I'm going to believe whatever God said is going to come to pass because he is God and not me. And again, it's not a huge kind of faith. It doesn't say Abraham... You know, had this a monstrosity type of faith that you're never going to have and you're not going to have that type of faith. It says he just believed God. That's all he did. He just believed God. He had, he had belief that said, you know what? God is going to do what he said he was going to do. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Isn't that interesting? For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently speak him, <clears throat> seek him. Friend, our whole entire existence as Christians is based on faith. It's based on belief. You believed unto faith with the gospel, right? Someone told you that Jesus came, lived, died, buried, resurrected, and you in faith believed that and said, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to appropriate that faith and believe that Jesus did die on the cross for my sins. And that's, that's what faith wants. Uh, that's what God wants from us is just to have faith. He wants us to believe in him. He doesn't want us to doubt. The, the, the Bible says in James 1, 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And I will tell you, if you want to see God move, you have got to have faith in him. Because here's what faith is. Faith is not what you can see. It's what you can't see. That's why it's called faith. If, if it was what you could see, they would call it something else. I don't know what they would call it. But faith is believing something that you cannot see. It means I'm going to grab for something that's not there. I'm going to step on something that's not there. I'm going to believe that something is going to happen in my life that I haven't not yet seen. Now, let me make this very clear. Sometimes we do not put our faith in God because we think that we're doing God a favor. Well, what, what happens is, is that there's something that you need to have happen in your life, whether it's a healing or it's a deliverance or something you just need to have happen. And you say to yourself, you know what? I'm not going to waste God's time by praying about it or believing it. I'm not going to tell anybody about it because say I, I'll just do something simple like I need a job, right? And you don't even have to have faith to have a job in this economy. You can just find one. There are jobs everywhere. But let's say you needed one. You don't pray and ask for a job because then if you don't get a job, then you think, well, I'll make God look bad because I didn't get a job after I believed and I prayed that God would give me, the job, give me a job. Does that make sense? Yes. And we think, we're do, we think we're doing God a favor like, well, I didn't make God look bad because I didn't have any faith for that which I needed to have. Now, let me say this. God does not need you helping him out. Okay? He is in charge of his own press. He knows exactly who he is, what he does on his timeline. He is completely fine with everybody else around you thinking that you're a nutball because you said, I'm going to believe God, that I'm going to believe by faith that God is going to see it happen. So don't help God out by not believing. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying you need to have the tiniest a bit of faith, just a mustard seed, just a, just a pittance of faith. 
John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Because here's what, here's what happens when you have mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith. Now, this is what I want you to really have in your mind. is not huge amount of faith, tiny amount of faith, tiny, tiny amount of faith. Mustard seed faith can cast out demons. And in, in this story about a boy who has epilepsy, it's connected to demonic oppression. Now, I always have to clarify this. Everything is not a demon. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Some super spiritual types, they want to, man, the, 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 the demon of dieting has got me bad. I'm like, bro, that ain't a demon. That's Uber Eats, bro. Like, <laughs> like there ain't no demon in that. That's you. Okay? You got the demon of the buffet. That's what's going on with you. You know, I got some soreness today and I'm not, there ain't no demon. It's because I'm old, you know, I'm old, right? Not everything is a demon, but I will tell, but I will tell you sometimes it is a demon. Like, like, and, and this is what's hard about being Christian is that we read through the Bible and, and we always kind of put it all back 2,000 years ago and just figure like, well, that was 2,000 years ago there was demonic oppression. Bro, demonic oppression is right now as well. Like, if you don't believe in it, go walk through downtown Seattle and then tell me that there's not demonic oppression, man. Jesus healed people of their blindness, but he didn't come and say, you've got a spirit of blindness on you. He said, you are blind and you've got to be healed of it. They were just blind. Now, in this story, they didn't have this tiny mustard seed faith, so they couldn't cast out the demon. Remember, it wasn't because they didn't have enough faith. It was because they had no faith. Jesus said, it's because of your unbelief. If you only had this tiny amount of faith, you could have cast out this demon on your own. Jesus said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said, because you didn't believe me. If you would have believed me, you could have been able to do it. So they could have cast out the demon if they had just the tiniest, tiniest bit of faith, that mustard seed faith. Now, for me, I believe that uh, uh, anybody who is in Christ can cast out a demon. That, that's what I believe. Uh, Trevor, right here, you gave your life to Christ last week. Praise God. This dude, praise God. You can play, praise God for that. And I don't, mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot. He's like, what I do now? You didn't do nothing. Jesus did it all. And the Holy Ghost that resides inside of this young man is enough to cast out any demon. He's, he, the prince of darkness is not having any power over his life. And he's only been serving Jesus for a week. I don't, I don't This idea that people think, and it always comes like, well, you know, this guy's the pastor. You know, he must have this extra measure of faith. You know, I want him praying for me. You want the guy that just received Christ doing it because he's excited. God answers those prayers powerfully and mightily and fast. Amen. I don't think that God stack ranks faith and says, you know, well, this guy's been serving God longer than this guy. So somehow this guy's got more power. No, the only difference between you and I is that I may just not be walking in unbelief. But I I, I just believe that when you get saved and, and, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have that power to cast out demons. You really do just that tiniest, tiniest bit of faith. 
1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The faith that you have in your, in your life from the Holy Ghost is more powerful than a legion of demons. The tiniest bit of faith that you have that resides inside of you because of Jesus is greater than all principalities. The the, the, the Bible even says that one day we are going to stand, stand before Satan and look at him and say, this is the one that made the nations tremble? This? We were afraid of this guy? If you are in Christ, you have no reason to be afraid of any demons whatsoever. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And friend, this is a true scripture. This is what the devil does. He goes around looking to hurt people. And, and I will say, in your life, there may be some things in your life that you've been trying to deal with physically that you need to deal with spiritually. Now, I always have to clarify stuff because, you know, there's so many people out there that misconstrue what I'm saying. Because then I, I talk about demons and everything else. And it's like, well, am I not supposed to, you know, use mouthwash? And I'm like, no, dude, I, I go and I buy that stuff, right? I use mouthwash and deodorant and I'll take some ibuprofen sometimes. Sometimes I got to take a little something to help me fall asleep at night. Like, I, I'm not against taking something, okay? What I am against is realizing that sometimes you can take everything, you can go to the doctor, you can read the books, you can do everything, and then you're like, man, I'm, I, I am not delivered. You're believing, you're believing the God of Walgreens and Rite Aid instead of the God of the Bible. Some things are literally demonic oppression. They can only be broken by the name of Jesus. That's the only way that those demonic oppressions can be broken is by the name of Jesus. Do you believe the scriptures? (laughs) Like five of you. Do you believe that God's word is true? Amen. Luke 9, 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. See, I believe if Jesus gave it to those disciples and we are his disciples, then we can walk in that same authority. If God did it for them, he can do it for me. I'm just dumb enough to take God at his word. Luke 10, 17, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Yes, yes, they are. Now, I don't have time to go into a demonic possession master class. We're not doing that today. But let me make this abundantly clear. If you're not listening, listen. This is very, very important. If you are here this morning and you are not a Christian, you would say, you know what? I do not believe in Jesus and I have not given him my life. You are not allowed, nor should you tangle with any demons whatsoever. Because the Bible makes it abundantly clear that if you go and you start tangling with demons, they will come back on you seven times harder. Because you don't have that power. You don't have that authority to be able to to, to cast out demons. Now, again, if you've been following Jesus for a week, you got that power, man. But it's a sword that you should wield very, very carefully to know that those demons will only respond to the name of Jesus from a believer in Jesus. 
The power comes only if you believe in Jesus yourself. Amen? This isn't for the occasionally committed. This isn't like a, hey, I just want to see what I can do with this thing. No, they will get on you. Here's what the Bible says, Mark 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons and will speak with new tongues. Matthew 10, uh, 1. And when he had called the 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And I want to remind you, it doesn't take a huge amount of faith. It just takes faith. The tiniest, like you think of a beach. You guys have all been to a beach before, right? Millions upon trillions of grains of sand. It doesn't take a bucket load of sand, just one grain. Just, I've got my faith. This tiny little thing, that's, that's all, this is all I need. I can, I can do amazing, I can cast out demons with this thing, man. The tiniest, tiniest, you're never going to go to the beach again the same. Next time you go, you pick it up like, look, my faith, it's the size of a mustard seed. And you will, man, you're going to see God move. You'll see demons cast out. You will see things change, but you have to have the tiniest, not just one step away from unbelief. Because here's the other part of it. Mustard seed faith can move mountains, according to the scripture. Jesus, after healing this boy, tells his disciples, you can move mountains. Now, in this story, it's clear that Jesus didn't uh, move literal mountains. He didn't do that. But what he did do is that he changed someone's life. The epileptic boy was no longer epileptic. Some would say that that was a mountain to that family. This family didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we've got a large mound of dirt outside our epileptic son's room, and we need that to move so he can be more epileptic more freely. (laughs) That's not what he said, right? That's what they said. Our boy is epileptic. We need you to do something. Now, I want you to think about the context here because Jesus, Jesus used hyperbole a lot. And if you don't know what hyperbole is, hyperbole is uh, uh, making something bigger than it is to prove a point, right? Like if you say, oh, I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. No, you couldn't. You couldn't eat a horse at all. But you say those types of things, right? You say things like, oh, I'm dead tired. Do you guys not say these things? I I don't know why I say these things. People just like. But Jesus did it all the time. It was really funny, right? He said a camel going through the eye of a needle. Right? It was hyperbole. When Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You guys still have all your hands. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's hyperbole. And so when Jesus says, you, can, you, you with mustard seed faith can move a mountain, it's not an example that we're all going to go out into the parking lot after church and yell at Mount Rainier, be thou removed, right? It's not going to happen. Like, that's just, that's not what's going to happen because that's not what Jesus was talking about. What Jesus was talking about was this idea of something in your life that is so big that you cannot have it removed by anything else but God. Big mountains. Mustard seed faith to see big mountains in my life removed. Mountains of habits. Mountains of addictions. Mountains of thoughts. Mountains of diseases. Mountains of pain. Mountains of sin. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Again, this family's biggest mountain was an epileptic son. He was, he was throwing himself into the fire and throwing himself into the water. Now, I don't know if you ever had any problems with a kid before, but it, and I'm not talking about like a disobedient child. I'm talking about a medical problem or, or a psychological problem or something where it's like, God, this is just too much. I can't handle this anymore. Can you imagine if you had a kid that threw himself into the fire and threw himself in the water? You would just be so unbelievable overwhelmed by having to walk through that. And so they don't come to Jesus and say, move this mound of dirt. They say, this is our mountain. This is our mountain that needs to move. We need a miracle. We need something to happen in our life. Jesus, would you please do something in our son's life? And he did. And I want you to understand this because you have mountains in your life that you're not going to Jesus for. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, right? That's that hyperbole. Again, you can see mountains move and you can have mountains move, but you have to have mustard seed faith. You have to. What mountains do you need to see moved in your life? What, what things in your life are like, man, I just, I would really like to see God move in this place. Well, I would tell you, if you have unbelief, today move to the side of mustard seed faith. And if you already have belief, but you're thinking like, how come I don't have enough faith? You've got it, man. You, you've got it. If you've got mustard seed faith, you've got enough. We all have those mountains in our lives. Things in our life that are not going the way in which we wish they would go, right? Mountains of pain, mountains of addiction, mountains of habits mental stuff and physical stuff and relationship stuff, all of that. And here's, here's the deal. We, we do things about it, right? We, we, we try to manage it. And I don't, I don't want to turn this into a story about all my physical ailments, but I do have a lot of physical ailments. I don't complain about them. I talked about them, but most parts of my body hurt most days. And there's, there's just, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much icing and stretching and anti-inflammatories that you can take to the point where it's like, man, come Jesus. I just need you to do something on my back. I just need you to do something on my elbow. I need you to do something on my finger. I'm just in a lot of pain, Jesus. You can go and you can try to reconcile a relationship and go to counseling and, and, and try to talk it out and try to work it out. And like, man, Jesus, we done tried everything else. Just move this mountain, Jesus. Just do something. Just, just change something inside of this situation, God. I know, I know that you can do it. And you just have to have faith as a mustard seed to believe that it can happen. Not a huge amount of faith, just the tiniest amount of faith. Hebrews 11 one says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. There's a reason that Jesus said, said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and even greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea and it will obey you. Again, there's that hyperbole again. You can't plant a mulberry bush in the water. That doesn't work. Well, the Bible must not be true. He's making a point. Things that you seem impossible, 
can happen with the tiniest bit of faith. The tiniest bit of faith, and you can see those things happen. And friend, those are real scriptures. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to believe them. That's what I'm going to do. You can choose to live the way that you want to live, but me, I'm taking God at his word. Why? Because these scriptures are the same scriptures that tell me that I'm saved and that I'm going to heaven. Why why do you cherry pick the scriptures? Why, why do you say, well, I believe the one that says I'm not going to hell, but I don't believe the one that says that I, that, that I can be healed? Why do you say, I believe the one that says that I'm forgiven of my sins, but I don't believe the one that says that I can cast out demons? No. If Jesus says the mountains will be removed, my mustard seed, my tiny bit of faith that I have is going to believe that. Amen? Here, let me say this. I put my full faith and assurance that Jesus is going to have me go to heaven with him when I have died, right? I've been believing that for over 30 years. It still has not come to pass. Even though it has not come to pass, I'm still putting my full faith and assurance in these scriptures, believing that it will eventually come to pass. I'm not giving up on God. I'm not giving up on God until that last day. I'm believing that I'm going. I I may not have seen that healing yet, but I believe that that healing's coming. We've got to move past this this idea of our own timelines. Well, I prayed about it last week, Pastor. How come it didn't come to pass? Probably because God needs to do something in your heart. And because if you're like anything like me, there's been things that I waited far too long to come happen. And I was frustrated every step of the way. And then I finally got the deliverance. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, Jesus knew what he was doing while he made me wait all this time. You're still here. You're still just, you'll be fine. God is going to sustain you. How many of you um, know this gal, Catherine, that used to attend our church? Catherine? Uh, This is this gal that used to attend our church, and they moved uh, back to Chicago. And uh, Catherine... Um, about 10 years ago was diagnosed of leukemia, which is like a blood cancer. And she, um, it it was just like a a debilitating, I mean, it's like cancer in the blood and there wasn't really anything that they could do for her. And and so they, she went to the doctor and the doctor's like, I mean, we've got these medications, but you're going to die from this. Um, And so we're going to put you on these medications that's just going to prolong your life. I mean, she's married, she's got three kids. And I mean, she was, gosh, she was in her mid twenties probably, right? When, when it happened. And, and so we walked with her for many years through this and she'd have episodes and, you know, uh, uh, blood transfusions and, and everything else. And, um, the, the, her medications literally like twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a month just to keep her alive. Right. And, and so she, uh, she texted me this week and I want to share this with you. Why can't I get back to my messages? This would be worth it, man. This would be good. I can't. Why won't this thing, this stupid phone? All right. Here we go back. All right. We're back. People are, out, people are online. are like, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm running my life, man. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's so much more powerful when you hear it, right? It's really good. So this is what she says. She sent me this on Tuesday. This is... <laughs> Catherine. Welp, I'm hashtag cancer free. (laughs) She said, praise the Lord. I actually have, have been for the last three months since my last appointment and they forgot to mention it. (laughs) 
I wanted you to know, but before I put it on Facebook. And if you know this family, man, they're just precious. And you don't want, I mean, I don't want anybody to die, but I really didn't want Catherine to die. You know, and, and you walk through these 10 years of, of just her walking through it, and you're just like, man, God did it. Yes. Yeah. They had to walk through it for 10 years, but God still did it. Yes. God still made it happen. That's, that's the kind of faith that moves happen, that, that moves mountains. Because here's, here's what's going to happen is that nothing will be impossible for you with this mustard seed faith. Yeah. People say, well, how can you say that? I can say that because Jesus said it. Yeah. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm telling you what Jesus said. Yeah. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, a teeny tiny little mustard seed, nothing shall be impossible for you. I'm going to take Jesus at his word and believe that nothing is going to be impossible for me, that there is nothing outside of the realm of possibility with God. The, what, what Something that is possible is possible, but something that is impossible is something that says this is not possible that this would happen, but God. Amen? It, it, it's the impossible that's outside of a timeline or outside of an outcome. It's when the word says that it's going to happen, you don't know how, you don't know when, you don't know how it's even feasible that it could happen. Impossible. We have many unanswered prayers and things that happen in our life. And, and, and what happens when you have these unanswered prayers is you, you begin to believe that God isn't real yes. and that God's word isn't true because you're still here, you're still alive, waiting for the answer, waiting for the deliverance. And in the waiting, you lose your faith and say, well, God must not be God because this ha- hasn't happened yet. Friend, sometimes the impossible is just going to take a little bit longer than what you think. Yes. You've got to hold on to that mustard seed faith. And and here's what happens is that you're afraid to hold on to it because the people around you are saying things like, well, you should just give up at this point. Yeah. The people around you say, man, well, you need to stop believing that. That God isn't true and his word isn't true. Just, you know, quit believing that. Friend, you are right on the other side of your deliverance. Amen. Yes. And here's what you need to get wrapped around in your brain because this is another demonic thing is that people start to have faith in their faith yeah. instead of faith in God. Yes. And make, I want to make it very clear. I am not preaching for you to have faith in your faith. It's not your ability to muster up this, this huge faith in your faith. It's just to simply take God at his word. Yes. It's not emotional. It's not a screaming, yelling, roaring, dance. And I love to dance and clap. It's not even that. Yeah. It's just like, do you believe more than nothing? Yeah, this is a little bit. That's enough. It's, it doesn't have to be some super hyper dancing tongue wagon Pentecostalism. It doesn't. And I don't got any problem with that. It's fine. I'm just saying just the tiniest bit. It's that idea that says, bless God. Won't he do it? Amen. I know God will do it. He'll do it. 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5. And we have such trust through Christ our God. Watch this. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And you know what happens? People hear this, people watching online and watching recording this, and they say, oh man, he's one of them faith preachers. You bet you I am. That's what I, what else am I going to be? All I preach is faith in God. All I preach is faith and believing that God can do it. And I I am as so as that you called. What else are you going to have faith in, man? 
That's all we have is our faith. That's all I believe in is, is my faith. And what am I supposed to do? Tell you to have faith in yourself? Oh, go out there and believe. Tell you to have faith in your government? No. <laughs> that was the most resounding no I've gotten. When Jesus says nothing shall be impossible, I'm just dumb enough to believe that that's what he meant. Because in my life, I've seen people go through some of the most insurmountable, inconceivable circumstances where it seemed impossible and the God of the possible showed up. He showed up and and, and you're like, you're literally in a place of like, I don't even know that I believe what just happened, but I have to believe because there's no way that that would have happened except for God. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Isaiah 41, 10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Colossians 1, 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Ephesians 6, 10, strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Isaiah 40, 29, this is for someone today. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might he increases strength Ephesians 3.16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man doesn't that sound like the God of the impossible because here's what happens with mustard seed faith this is my last point you can have robust spirituality at the end of this scripture Jesus says and it's kind of like, like an asterisk on the story. He says, uh, oh yeah, by the way, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting. <laughs> like, thanks, Jesus. Um, you said mustard seed faith. He goes, yeah, mustard seed faith. But only this one comes out with, by prayer and fasting. And, and here, here's the deal about prayer and fasting. Uh, uh, the part of the Christianity that is hard for some people to grasp is that we're taught in all of Christ's sufficiency, right? He did it all at the cross, and we say we're not a workspace faith, and, and, and you, you just have to you know, let God do it. But there's this part of where like Christ works in concert with us, right? Like he died on the cross, but we have to go to the cross, yes. right? He gives us power, but we need to pray. Yes. I mean, you, you, you have to be involved in the process. People say, well, how is that possible that it's 100% him, but we still kind of help him help him out? I'm like, well, we serve a God that like gives you free will, but it's all planned. Like, we serve a God where it's 100% where Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And so like how does God work doing it all and you working together working concert? Well, that's just how it is. Amen. Cuz the God that walks on water, healed the sick, raised the dead, and turned water into wine just does crazy stuff that you don't understand, right? So Jesus says, "You want if this demon's going to come out, it's got to take something more, man. This isn't some like run of the mill sort of demon. This one is only going to come out by prayer and fasting." And what prayer and fasting does is it doesn't change God God, God doesn't all of a sudden be like, well, now I can do it because they prayed and fasted. No, it changes you. Yes. It changes you. When, when you pray and fast, if you have no faith, it grows your faith. It really does. If you say, well, I don't have faith in God, man, don't eat for three days. <laughs> you will cry out to God. Yes. You'd be like, mm, this is the best saltine I ever had. God is real. 
oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You start speaking in tongues, but from a saltine cracker after three days and not God will become real to you I guarantee it if you start and then you know what you'll be drawn to prayer You're like oh Lord I believe you <laughs> let me eat again please <laughs> anything just give me a Snickers bar I'm not myself right <laughs> literally I mean that's what prayer and fasting does it doesn't change you it change, it, I mean it doesn't change God it changes you it's no different than Daniel than I set my face towards the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. It's no different than Paul in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst in fastings often in cold and in nakedness. This is a spiritual principle that cannot be missed as part of this mustard seed faith. Prayer and fasting does more than you think it does to take down the powers of darkness. Not because it changes God. It's because it grows you. Can you wrap yourself, uh, wrap your mind around this idea? <laughs> Is that not everything spiritual just comes easy? And I don't know why in our microwaved world we think that like, you know, you hear a sermon, you're like, well, I'm going to go out and, you know, walk on water. It's like, no, dude, it, like everything doesn't work that way. Look at um, Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Three times, right? And if you don't know who Paul is, Paul is a big dude in the New Testament. Wrote a lot of it, lots of miracles, like crazy, crazy stuff. And if you were going to stack rank me and Paul on a scale of one to a hundred, I'd be like, a hundred and he would be like one, right? This dude could probably do anything. Lightning bolts flying out of his eyes or something. <laughs> this dude still had to go to God three times. So if Paul had to do that, why am I going to think that somehow I'm more hyper-spiritual than Paul? I'm not going to do that. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. Friend, you have to have this idea of your spirituality that is more than just a common spirituality. It's, it's just this minuscule amount of faith in God and then a continuance in prayer and fasting to see God move. And, and then I would challenge you and leave you with this this morning. If there's things in your life that you have not seen God move, I would just encourage you to hold on to that tiny bit of faith that you have. God is going to move eventually. I would, I would pepper it with some uh, prayer and fasting and see if maybe that, there's something more that God wants to do inside of you before that breakthrough happens. But I would encourage you to just take God at his word this morning. If you have that mustard seed faith, you can see demons removed. You can see mountains removed. You can see the impossible happen. And you can have a robust spirituality that comes with prayer and fasting. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. I want to encourage you to become one. And here, here, here's what I would say to you this morning is that if you're not a Christian, a lot of times people are waiting for something big to happen. They're like, well, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to see this big miracle happen and then I'll, then I'll give my heart to God. Or I want to see this other thing happen and then I'll become a Christian. Based on the word today, if you've got just the tiniest bit more than not believing. I, you'd say in your heart, I don't not believe. I, I 
I just don't not not believe. I'm just kind of in the middle there. I'm not, I'm not really sure, right? I'm not saying I don't believe. I'm just saying I'm not at a point of belief yet. Would you just like fall over the line? Like, just come a tiny bit over on the other side and say, you know what? I've got I've got enough faith to believe that somewhat. That's enough. That's only just a mustard seed faith, just a tiniest bit of faith. If you've never made a decision for Jesus before, and you'd say, you know what, I'm, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to walk with Jesus. If you've never made that decision before, and you'd like to do it for the first time, would you raise your hand right now? I want to pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision? so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory online, would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.